Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, March 10th. 2021. This is Shannon, and I'm here today with Brooke and with Amber, who is back with us. Yay! Welcome back, Amber. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long time. It has. It's been forever. Yes. And we are here to talk about mental health related books. I think we have some nonfiction and some fiction for you. So hopefully, you will find some really excellent reads here. I'm going to start out with the usual housekeeping information. Then Brooke will get us started. I will follow and then Amber will finish off the round. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first book tonight is Scars Like Wings by Erin Stewart. So this book is a young adult and it's about a girl named Ava Lee. And Ava lost her mom and her dad and her cousin, who was also her best friend in a, in a house fire. And she survived. So Ava survived. And she has um, had had, as a result, she was covered in 60%. Oh, well, sorry. As a result, 60% of her body was covered in um, burns. Mm. So you can imagine the pain that she probably went through. But I guess she had, from what I understand, she had to go through like 19 different surgeries to um, fix all of the damage and to help her to gain back a little bit of her, a little bit more of her appearance. So Ava's living with her aunt. Um, this is the aunt and uncle whose daughter died in the fire with Ava's parents. And it's been about a year since the house fire and her aunt and uncle have decided that it's probably time for Ava to return to school. So she's going to be going to high school and Ava's not sure she's ready for this because she knows that she just doesn't look the same. And she knows that people are going to be like typical high schoolers, right? They're going to point, they're going to talk about you. They're going to just make it really uncomfortable. So she's not really sure she wants to do this. But she ends up going, and while there, she 
becomes friends with um, a girl named Piper who actually is in her burn support group as well. So they kind of know each other outside of school and have now met up again in school. And Piper is very much the opposite of Ava. She's very outgoing. She's very outspoken. Um, She's not going to like sit back and just take it. So she kind of helps to... I guess she kind of helps to, what's the word I want, I guess make Ava feel better about herself or at least help make Ava feel better about herself. And like, she's not letting her people make fun of her. Like she points out when people, like she calls people out. So it, it's really kind of a good relationship, but at the same time, Piper has some of her own issues that she needs to deal with. And so in some ways, her relationship with Ava is a little bit toxic at at the same time. So while at school, Ava decides that she's going to um, get into theater. So she ends up meeting a boy. And I'm sure you can guess they develop a bit of a relationship. And this book is both heartbreaking but it's also a book of hope and it kind of shows how you can struggle and you can get back up and then you can have setbacks but there's always a possibility of things improving so I really really enjoyed this book like I felt as though the author really did her research I could really feel the uh the feelings of depression and the feelings of just emotional turmoil that Ava was going through. And I I just, I really, I kind of really felt as though I, I went through similar ish things to Ava. Like I didn't have any of the burns and stuff, but like not having hair in high school was really like, it's, it's one of those things where people like point and they make fun of you. So I just, I kind of felt for her. So this book is Scars Like Wings and it's by Erin Stewart. This has been on my list for a while. It's really yes, good. It sounds really familiar. I think I saw you were reading it and it looked really good. Yeah, I read it according to my thing. I think I read it almost a year ago. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> So my first pick tonight is also a young adult novel and kind of like the book that Brooke just talked about. It is a book that's very sad, but also hopeful um, at the same time. So this is The Memory of Light by Francisco X. Stork. And this is young adult fiction, although in an author's note at the end, he talks about how he used some of his own experiences with depression as he crafted this novel. So this is the story of 16-year-old Vicky Cruz, and she has woken up in a psychiatric ward after a suicide attempt. And she was kind of upset about this. Like, she's pretty sure she should have just died when she tried, you know, when she attempted to take her life. Like, why didn't it work? So she doesn't really know what to do. Like, she's in this hospital and all these people are talking to her about how to get better. 
And there's a piece of Vicky that isn't really sure that getting better is what she wants. But slowly, as she spends more time in the hospital and gets to know her doctor and a few of the other teens who are being treated there, she kind of begins to see that perhaps there is a light at the end of her tunnel. And then something happens at the hospital that unfortunately forces Vicky to leave and to end up home again earlier than she expected to be. And so now she's kind of on her own in a lot of ways, trying to remember all of the things that she learned at the hospital and really trying to like put her life back together and to keep remembering that there really is a point for her to keep living. Um, I really liked this partly just because the author's writing is really excellent, but also because we looked at mental illness through a different lens other than that of just being like a typical white girl. Um, Vicky is Latina. And so she, we see a lot of the like cultural things that go on for her as she's struggling with her mental health and how to fit back into the world. So I enjoyed most things about this book. It was a hard read at times. Vicky's depression is is pretty bleak, but I loved watching her kind of reclaim her life and herself. So this once again is The Memory of Light, and it is by Francisco X. Stork. That sounds like a hard book to read. It was, but I liked it. Okay, so my first book of the evening is called The Hoarder in You, How to Live a Happier, Healthier, Uncluttered Life by Robin Zazio. So if you have, yes, I thought that you might. So (laughs) know her, but (laughs) I know who she is. I I knew you'd know who she was. So during, uh, during, the pandemic, I discovered the joy of watching YouTube and watching shows on YouTube. And one of the shows that I started watching before they just repeated them over and over and over again was the A&E show Hoarders. Yes. Um, And so Hoarders is a show and they, you know, they go into the homes of people who are hoarders and who collect, you know, different things and and it's totally out of control um and this author robin zazio is actually one of the psychologists on the show she practices in california and this book is basically it talks about why people hoard um you know the difference between like collecting and hoarding you know because a lot of people who are hoarders are like I'm collecting things. No, you're actually not. Um, No, too many things. (laughs) Yeah. And so she talks about, you know, the difference between like a collector and a hoarder. Um, She talks about like animal hoarding and food hoarding and why people, you know, do those things. And, you know, just really, um, and then also gives, um, you know, she gives tips for anyone, you know, just anyone who wants to just organize their life, but also for hoarders and, you know, how to work with them. And I especially appreciated the chapters on, like, if you're a family member or a friend of a hoarder, 
she talks about like how to really help them and how, you know, your first, you know, the first thing that you want to do as a family or friend is to like go clean up the mess and how that's not really a good idea. Um, and, and how you really kind of need to go in stages. So I really appreciated the book. It was very honest. Um, Matt Paxton, who is on that show, also has a book. I can't remember the title, but it's something, you know, Secrets it's a long, similar orders. one. Yes, I think that's it. Yeah. You know, his book was very similar. So I really appreciated the perspective. And, you know, as someone who has clutter, no, I'm not a hoarder. But, you know, as someone who tends to gather clutter, I appreciated the book. So so the title is The Hoarder in You, How to Live a Happier, Healthier, Uncluttered Life by Robin Zazio. Beautiful. Those hoarding shows are so interesting. Like it just, it blows my mind. Yeah. So my next pick is Outside the Lines, and it's by Amy Hatfany or something similar. I have totally <laughs> yeah, apologized. Right. I totally apologize if I butchered it, but I'm no, that's I'm the right. best. Um, so this book is about a woman named Eden, and Eden's father has bipolar. So when he's up, he's tons of fun. And when he was down, as she grew up, he just wasn't, things weren't great. And there was a lot of, like, infidelity and lots of alcohol. And her her mom, Lydia, really couldn't handle this. So when, um, so what, but what really drew the line was when Eden was 10 years old, she came home early from a friend's house to find her father had cut his wrists or at least he's attempting to commit suicide. And so she ends up saving him. And Lydia asks him to leave, like says, I'm sorry, but this just isn't a safe situation to be raising our daughter in. So David, that's his name. um, He keeps in touch with um, Eden over the years. And then she is now 30. And she has decided that she wants to look for her father. So she's heard from him time from time to time over the 20 years, but she hasn't heard from him in a really long time. So she wants to know, like, how's he doing? Like, what's, what's going on? Is there anything I could do? Like, she kind of feels that she needs this closure in order for her to be able to feel comfortable enough to move on with her life. Cause she's kind of in the midst of trying to uh, become like a really good chef. Like she is a really good chef, but she also wants her own restaurant. So I think for her to kind of move forward in her life, she needs a little bit of closure with her father. So the book was really interesting to hear kind of her perspective on how things really uh, impacted her life. But it was also interesting to see how bipolar affects the family as well as the person who has it. And so the one thing that I found really interesting was how the book cover, how the book really looked at just because we can help people with bipolar or other 
mental illnesses do they like do the are should they have to accept our help like what if they don't want help then what do we do so I just really enjoyed this book so it's Outside the Lines and it's by Amy Hatfinney I love her have you read any of her other books like does she have other books? yes oh yes so many oh cool I'm gonna have to look them up so many There's, are they um, like similar it, kind of idea yes. like okay cool yes. like she has um it happens all the time which is a book about date rape mm, right? um she has a book called heart like mine that um is about a heart transplant patient I'm yeah, totally gonna look her up. I love yes, this you should. Book. I didn't even yeah, know. She's pretty I, don't, awesome. I don't know why I missed that. <laughs> so my next book is the 2019 release by author Kelly Estes, and this is Today We Go Home. So this is a dual timeline novel, but for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to focus mostly on the part of the book that takes place in present day. So this is about <clears throat> Larkin and Larkin is a veteran returning from duty in Afghanistan. And she's really struggling with some PTSD and kind of just understanding how to like reacclimate back into the world as a civilian now like she's no longer in all these deadly battles and trying to keep herself alive and keep her um her fellow soldiers alive and this is hard for her like peacetime in a lot of ways doesn't make sense anymore she doesn't feel like she really fits into her family group she doesn't really know like what she wants to do for a job what she's able to do now and it's just a really, really difficult place for her to be. So she's trying to heal and she's trying to really be gentle with herself as much as she can. And as she's doing this, she comes across a diary that was written by a woman who dressed, her, dressed up as a boy so that she could fight in the Civil War back in the 1860s. And so the story kind of moves back and forth in time between Larkin's perspective and Emily's perspective. And we kind of see the ways in which war continues to be harmful, like not just in the ways that we know, like that people are constantly dying in war, right? That like, you know, there's not a lot of good that comes from this, but that even when people don't die, even when they return home, supposedly unhurt that they are dealing with so much stress and so much trauma that we as a society aren't really equipped to deal with. Obviously, you know, things have gotten a little bit better since like World War II and Vietnam, but generally we don't know how best to help soldiers after they come home. And so PTSD is a real and very, very difficult thing for people to deal with. So I really enjoyed like, the way Estes could take these very, very important issues and weave them into a novel that was like, entertaining to read, but also super thought provoking. So this again is Today We Go Home and it's by Kelly Estes. 
I'm definitely going to look for this book because it sounds really good. It's very good. I'm literally downloading it as we speak. I just clicked download. Uh, (laughs) Yes, she really wanted the book. It looks really good. Her first one, um, which is The Girl Who Wrote in Silk, is one oh, that yeah, I have that like one. to yes yeah I have that one I have yeah. it what's that one about it. it's about immigration and like the ways mm-hmm. in which Chinese immigrants um were so horribly mistreated here like in the 1800s right, right. okay so my second book of the night is another nonfiction, and it is called the Boy Who Is Raised as a Dog, and Other Stories from a Child Psychiatrist's Notebook. And it's by Bruce D. Perry. And when I actually found this book, um, I, had, I had gotten it a long time ago and forgotten about it. And then I was actually looking for another author by the name of Perry, and that one popped up. And I was like, oh. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'll try this one. So I did. And basically, it is a case book about, you know, this child psychiatrist and the really troubled children that he sees. And, you know, in the main story, the boy who was raised as a dog, um, you know, this little boy got abandoned by his parents And he lived with a man who, you know, had some developmental disabilities and the man owned dogs, like he bred dogs. And he thought, the man thought that, you know, if it's good enough for my dog, it's good enough for the baby. So the little boy basically grew up being raised by dogs and, you know, just how it really affected him and, You know, there were other stories in the book about, you know, like a little girl who never ate food um, and how, you know, it was kind of traced back to her mom, never learned how to, you know, give love as a parent and, you know, how that affected the little girl and the mom. So the thing that I really appreciated about this book is that it doesn't just tell you about the cases. Um, It also explains why this happened and developmentally, like what is going on. And then it talks about, you know, what they did as a clinic to kind of help the, you know, help the kids move on as much as they could. And it talked about, you know, how developmentally your brain works. And so it was, it was a really interesting all around. And I actually think it was probably meant as a textbook, but I think that you could just read it as like a general book as well. And again, that book is The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog and Other Stories from a Child Psychiatrist's Notebook by Bruce D. Perry. This book was actually awesome. on my list um, for a while. It's actually been there. So it's oh, nice. I'm going to have to look at it. Yeah, it's. I think you'll really like it. Like, I didn't think I'd read it all in one go. 
And I really did like, you know, it was just one of those things that just really captured my attention. And I like that, you know, at the end, it kind of tells a little bit about what happened to the kids. They don't go into a lot of detail, you know, but it was, it was really interesting. It reminds me a little bit of stuff like um, Oliver Sacks does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my next book is Heroin by Mindy McGinnis. So this book is about a girl named Mickey. And the book begins with her waking up and finding her friends dead. So that's how the book starts. And then we go into now. So Mickey was a, or is, because she still is, um, is a really, really good baseball player. And she's on the team at school. And this really kind of is her identity almost. Like that's really the only friends that she has is from her baseball team and people that she knows that are related to baseball so that's really all so then when a car crash occurs and she gets injured her whole identity is kind of thrown into peril like she doesn't know what she's going to do now because she's injured and she knows that she'll need to take some time off and then she doesn't even know if she'll be able to get back to baseball so while this is happening and she's recovering, she is prescribed, I'm pretty sure it was OxyContin with her first one. I think that's what it was. Um, so she's prescribed a really, really strong, addictive painkiller. And she gets to a point where she's taking like a lot or she's also, there's a point where she kind of like, just one more will make me feel better. Like it, it helps to take away her, fears of her future and her thoughts of not being able to do what she wants to do it helped to take away her emotions and like the thoughts and feelings that other people were kind of putting upon her from their worries and what they were dealing with it also helped her kind of to escape her her pain well and so with all that, she kind of just got really, she became addicted and things just kind of went downhill from there. And this book was so, I found it hard to read because you really, really do feel like you're going through the situation with Mickey. You can feel like where like her mental state's at and how she made these decisions. And, like, you you realize that Mickey is not a bad person. And she doesn't, she's not intentionally making these bad decisions. It's just, that's just the way that things have kind of progressed. And it was, it was very descriptive in how she took different drugs and stuff like that. So I just found it really interesting because I don't know a lot about addiction like a specific addiction. Like I read it every once in a while in like a crime book, like I'll have like a gangster or something that's shooting up some heroin or something, but like, it's never been that in depth. Like it doesn't tell you like, Oh, I, they do this and then they do that or whatever. So I found this book to be really interesting that way. 
So it's Heroin by Mindy McGinnis. That one might or be a little too real for kind me. Of... <laughs> yeah, they actually have, if I'm not incorrect, I thought it had, um, like, not spoiler alerts. What's the word I want? Like, warning. Oh, like trigger warnings. Yeah, trigger warnings. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. For another look at addiction um, in a teenager, I highly recommend the Ellen Hopkins trilogy that starts with Crank. And it's Crank, Glass, and Fallout. I haven't read those, but I really like They're novels written in verse. I do, too. Yeah, they're like these long verse novels, and they're just mm-hmm. they're excellent. Again, they're hard to read sometimes, yeah. but they're they're very very well done. Okay, so it's my turn for a nonfiction book. I don't usually do these, but this is one I've read quite a long time ago, and I've always really liked it. So this is the Memory Palace by Mira Bartok, and this is the story of Mira. And basically her relationship with her mother, Um, her mother was a piano prodigy for most of her early life. And then when she turned 19, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And as a result, things got not only really difficult for her, but also really difficult for her two daughters who kind of grew up in the shadow of their mother's illness. So as Mira grew up, it was not uncommon for her mother to have all of these fears of like the Nazis coming to power or some random person coming and kidnapping her children. And she just like would have all of these strategies worked out for how they were going to escape and what they were going to do if the Nazis came. And it became really difficult for the girls to not only like live what we would consider a normal, healthy life, but also to feel close to their mother. In a lot of ways, they were sort of more of her caretakers than her daughters. So when Mira is an adult and a really, her mother has a really severe um, psychotic episode, Mira decides that she can't handle this anymore and she leaves. She changes her name and for years she has nothing to do with her mother. Like she just needs to focus on herself. She needs to understand what it's like to live outside the shadow of mental illness. But then as life so often does, things change for Mira Um, She suffers a traumatic brain injury after an accident. And as she's working on healing, it really calls into question for her some of the things that she has always thought and believed about her mother. So she decides that she's going to try to find her mother again. And she contacts the homeless shelter, which is the last place that she knew her mother to be. And she learns, and this is not a spoiler. Um, If you look at the blurb for this book, it will tell you this. She learns that her mother is dying. And so the two of them kind of get back in touch and try to rebuild what's left of their relationship. So not only is this a story of mental illness, but it's also a story of forgiveness and kind of the bonds that can exist between parents and their children. Um, Parts of this book were so, so sad, but Bartok's writing is just 
really, really excellent. And she's able to fill the pages with all of the emotions that have been such a big part of her life. So this is The Memory Palace, and it's by Mira Bartok. That sounds like a hard book to read, but really good. I've heard of it before. Yes. It came out, I think, in like 2010 or 11. So it's been around for a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. My next book for this evening also has to deal with addiction in a way. It's called Empty by Susan Burton. And so Susan Burton, uh, her father was a journalist um, and her mother was a Montessori school teacher. And this has to deal with anorexia and bulimia. Uh, Susan grew up in a very, I guess what a lot of people would call a very privileged world. Uh, She lived in Boulder, Colorado. Both of her parents went to Yale. Uh, She also went to Yale. And, you know, it just talks about, you know, how she kind of developed these eating disorders. And it was at a time when not a lot was known about them. And so full disclosure, I actually did not find Susan Burton to be very likable. Um, It had nothing to do. What? I I just said, Um, oh, yeah, um, it, it didn't have anything to do with her you know, uh, eating disorder or anything like that. Um, you know, she just lived in a world that I really couldn't, in a way I could relate to it because she was a teenager and, you know, she talked about like how her eating disorder got started and stuff like that. So in a way, you know, I could relate to her being a teenager and stuff like that, but she, she lives a very, very privileged life. And, you know, during the book, she kind of talks about like, you know, people kind of thought that because she was privileged, that like eating disorders didn't happen to people like her. And also, you know, the fact that like, she was expected to look a certain way, and all of the members of her family expected her to look a certain way. So it was a hard read. But, you know, in the end, and the ending is very kind of ambiguous. And I think it's because she's still living, you know, that addiction. And it's, you know, one of the things that like you have to eat. And so she still struggles with it to this day. And she's very honest about it. And what I actually appreciated too, is she talked about, you know, where she was like, sometimes when you read, uh, you know, books about people with anorexia and bulimia. It's more of a manual of how to do it. So she didn't go into a lot of detail, which I actually appreciated, but it was a really, it was eye-opening. You know, it showed that anyone, regardless of who you are or how you live, can have mental illness. And, you know, even though like I didn't find her very likable, she still had a really interesting story to tell. So again, that's Empty by Susan Burton. I've seen this. Um, I've never never read it, but I've seen it on several lists of like, you know, Mm -hmm. books, like notable books on mental illness. 
So my last book for tonight is Girl in Pieces, and it's by Kathleen Glasgow. So this book is about a girl named Charlie. And Charlie has lost her mom, her dad, and her friend. And we start with Charlie in a mental health unit. And she is kind of working with her, like, trying to work through her her difficulties. So she's a cutter. And she kind of cuts to make herself feel better. And she cuts to forget things from her past. So her mom was abusive as well as um, being neglectful. So you can only imagine, like, what kind of damage like permanent damage that kind of caused in her life and so in this book we're in the mental health um, unit and then Charlie is released and the book kind of goes on and she introduces us to different people who have their own struggles so I really liked how um, Glasgow covered the issues of um, mental health as well as homelessness. I liked how she introduced us to the different characters and kind of shared their stories. So it gave you an idea of like what kind of things can happen and that we're not the only, like you're not the only one that's facing those difficulties. And it also, I liked how like how can it give you a bit of hope? Like hope that um, Charlie's life was going to start kind of looking up because things had been really rough. And I also liked how we got to see Charlie struggling. So like struggling to maintain her, um, her recovery. So it helped us to realize that like, just because you have like a bump in the road doesn't mean that it's all over. So I really like that as well. So this is Girl in Pieces, and it's by Kathleen Glasgow. I need to read this. I loved it. So my last pick tonight is another eating disorder novel, though this one is a novel rather than a memoir. This is The Girls at 17 Swan Street. This is the debut novel by Yaris Deeb. And this came out um, right in the middle of 2019, I believe. And I loved it a lot. This is the story of Anna. She is a ballerina. She spent a lot of her in France. She turned home now. She's married and really kind of trying to figure out like how dancing is going to fit into her life now that she's no longer, you know, as much a professional ballerina. Um, she wonders kind of how dancing is going to fit into the life that she's trying to make with her husband. And there's a piece of Anna that never really feels good enough. And so she's always thinking, like, if she loses more weight, if she just exercises more, <clears throat> if she can, like, make better somehow, then her life will improve. 
But as she's trying to make herself quote unquote better, she's actually making herself sicker and sicker. And so first, like she stops eating chocolate and then she stops eating cheese. And after that, it's bread. And she starts, yes, like limiting all the things that she eats. And finally, she is like pretty near death. Like she's really just not doing well. And she is admitted to an eating disorder treatment clinic. And this is at 17 Swan Street. And it's, it kind of reminds me almost of like a group home. So like people are living in an actual house rather than in a hospital. And there are, you know, several women there who are dealing with various um, eating disorders. Some of them are diagnosed as like anorexia or bulimia. Some just sort of have like undifferentiated food difficulties. And so slowly these women together begin to heal. And it talks a lot about the healing process, about the types of therapy that are used in a lot of eating disorder clinics, kind of how there are both good and bad sides to this type of treatment. Um, As someone who has struggled most of my life with food disorders, I've I've learned a lot about like treating them and living with them. And I really appreciated the grace and sensitivity that the author used when describing these things. Like nothing was treated in a way that was cavalier or insensitive. I thought she just did an amazing job of bringing her characters to life, but also really being careful about how she described not only the illnesses themselves, but their treatments. So this is, once again, The Girls at 17 Swan Street, and it is by Yaris Deeb. It's a pretty quick little book. I think in print it's like 250 pages, so it's, it's a quick read, but very, very intense. I'm definitely looking this one up. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna need so you to send me the title of that. So I can yeah, it. I think you're gonna have to oh, send me the title forgetting. for a couple of things. <laughs> <clears throat> My last book of the evening is it was an unexpected one. It's called The Children of Red Peak by Craig DeLouis. And so one day I was avoiding uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was avoiding work. And I went to my, uh, I went to my local library's website and this book popped up as a recommendation. And so I got it. And this book is a novel following four, uh, I would say they're between the ages of like 25 and 30 and they meet up at their friend's funeral and their friend committed suicide. But what they don't tell you at first is that all five of these now young adults survived a doomsday cult. So they were children when, you know, their parents went into the doomsday cult and they were the only ones to survive out of like the hundreds of people that killed themselves. It was like a Jim Jones type thing where they all, all the adults drink you know, um, cyanide. So it follows the four kids and they're trying to figure out, you know, what actually happened that night because each one of them has different 
recollections of what happened, but also like the mental illness that all four of them kind of have from this experience. You learn a lot about, um, you learn a lot about like what actually happened in the cult and how like their parents mutilated themselves and how that affected the kids. And so, you know, like one kid, uh, is like a cult deprogrammer. One's a psychologist who's trying to figure herself out. One's a detective and one's like a, a singer in a rock band. And, you know, it's not only about like their mental illness, but also about how they interact with each other and, you know, how that affects the group as a whole. And, you know, how that cult thinking kind of, it doesn't just go away. Um, and, you know, how that like affects them in their everyday life and how they interact with other people. So it's just a really, even though it was fiction, it was a really eye-opening way of looking at cults, why people go into them and how it affects people and kids on the way out. And it talks a little bit about like deprogramming and, you know, hypnotism and stuff like that, you know, as each young adult tries to figure out what's going on with them and kind of get their life on track. So again, that book is The Children of Red Peak and it is by Craig Dillewey. And I want it now. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of a mental health related edition of the Book Bistro podcast. Thank you to Brooke and Amber for coming up with such fantastic choices for this episode. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her wonderful, wonderful editing. And thank you so much to all of you who join us each week as we talk about fantastic books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.